Welcome to Practice DNA, the podcast that teaches you how to set up, build, and run your own practice. Sponsored by Icon Practice Practice Management Software, get anywhere access to your system while saving thousands in upfront costs. Visit iconpractice.com now. Hi. I'm Matthew Holmes, and this is episode six of Practice DNA, the podcast that helps you set up and run your own practice. Today, we're going to look at business plans. Now, I might as well get it out of the way right now. Most of the time, I tend to think that business plans are a load of tosh. They're barely worth the paper that they're written on. Now, rather than devoting a lot of time to making a detailed plan for most people, you should be out building awareness of your practice in the community. Now, there's two main reasons I feel this way. The first is that a business plan uh, really contains a lot of speculative data, particularly with regard to projected revenue. Now, getting projected expenditure costs can be a lot easier using either data from an existing clinic that you have or from another practice that you work in, with the owner's permission, of course, or you can actually get quotes. But revenue projections are often, at best, a guess, um, which really makes them quite inaccurate and can make the, the business plan, as I said, quite speculative and really can have very little value actually in the here and now. Um, the second is that an operating environment can change rapidly in a new business, and this can mean that most or many of the projections that you make in your business plan end up being obsolete. So you might ask, well, why am I doing an episode on business plans? The main reason is that if you're applying for funding, you're going to need a business plan. Some lenders uh, need some sort of, or lenders, all lenders, need some sort of data upon which to make a decision. Uh, And generally, your business plan is the thing that's actually going to provide this data. Um, In that case, you're going to need to spend quite a bit of time on the plan, ensuring it is as accurate as possible um, and as detailed as possible. And as well as supplying data, the thoroughness of the plan is going to convey an impression about your thoroughness and your attention to detail. And as you'd expect, people lending money tend to prefer thoroughness and attention to detail in their borrowers. Um, Secondly, even if you aren't applying for funding, uh, producing a small business plan can be a good idea if it's for your own benefit. Now, I emphasise the word small. Um, It can help clarify your thoughts and expectations about the business and can uncover whether those ideas are as realistic as you think they are. Um, I certainly wouldn't spend days on doing it, but spending a few hours putting together some sort of plan is a good idea. Now, much of what we're going to discuss is based upon a business plan that I produced for one of my practices. I was applying uh, for funding, therefore it included much more detail, but I tried not to go overboard. Um, I've included a link to the plan and the accompanying spreadsheet on the transcripts page of Practice DNA. Our email subscribers get access to that page. So if you aren't a subscriber, pop along now to Practice DNA and sign up. Um, As well as access to these subscriber-only resources, you'll get early notification of new episodes and any special events that we have. Um, If you are a subscriber, I'd recommend you pause this recording and go and download the samples now. Um, Have them in front of you as we talk, and, and things will be much clearer for you as we go along. Now, the sample plan is for a chiropractic clinic, uh, but most of the the information will apply to other professions as well. Now, we'll discuss the plan as we're going through uh, as though you were going to use it for funding. If it's just for your use, then you can forego some of the niceties and decorations and so on of, of the plan.
Now, your front page should obviously explain what the document is, who it's written by, date of production, who you're seeking funding from. If uh, if it's your bank, um, you want to include your current de- banking details as well on that. Uh, and you should also include your contact details so they're readily available for the lender. Next on the second page should be an outline of the business idea. Hopefully you will have clarified your practice's focus as we discussed in episode four. If not, listen to that episode before doing this section. Though in a nutshell, what you have to do is you really have to determine who your target market is and how you're best going to reach them. Underneath all that, you want to list your proposed practice name, then describe your business idea in a few sentences. You want to describe what the factors are that contribute to the success of the business, i.e. there's no similar clinics in the area, you have particular expertise or experience, Um, there's increasing public awareness of your therapy, uh, your incredible good looks and magnetic personality. Uh, Of course, just joking about that one, don't put that in there. Um, But things like that, that's what you want to be emphasising. What are the factors that are going to make your business a success? Because obviously, lenders don't want to lend to somebody who's going to lose money and go out of business because then their chances of actually getting their capital back are slim and they're not going to get the interest payments and so forth that they're wanting to get. Uh, So obviously, you want to be emphasising how you're going to make this thing a success. You also, though, want to de- je- uh, sorry, describe the factors that may jeopardise the business idea, um, as well as how you plan to overcome these. Now, you might sort of think that, you know, why should I be discussing the negative things? But describing your action plan to these negative factors is just as important as your success factors. And showing that you have a realistic approach to the practice will help reassure investors that you're not just charging blindly ahead with some crazy idea. So some factors that you may want to be looking at um, are competition from other practices, uh, any other regulatory limitations and advertising restrictions, um, the declining market share of a particular therapy, etc. Okay, so those are the type of things you want to look at in the negative factors. Uh, you should then describe your target market, the approximate size of that market and how you plan to reach them. Explore why patients would choose your practice over other practices out there. Uh, you may want to discuss whether the market is relatively mature, which means that people have already have a preferred provider and you're going to need extra compelling reasons why people should change to your service. Or if the markets are relatively young and undeveloped, in which case you may have difficulties convincing people to try your service in the first place. So you should refer Reflect on the market stage and whether it's going to help or hinder your practice and how you plan to overcome or either maximise on this. Okay, You should also give some background information on yourself. Uh, What are your qualifications? What's your business experience? If you don't have much business experience, do you have access to a mentor that does? Um, If so, list their experience also. List the qualifications and experience of other people that may be involved in the project. Um, I'd, also, I'd also give some idea of any the number, if any, of the staff required to actually run the practice. So having clarified your business idea, to give an idea of the financial resources you have available uh, to the project, you sort of run through the next section. Now, this includes things like your savings, projected incomes, any grants and government support that are available for the practice, um, security that you may have uh, to offer against any loans such as your home, etc. Though do be careful with this. Um, And any required capital that you may need from uh, the lender. Okay. 
you should then go on and summarise your expenditure and costs. Now, I've included a detailed spreadsheet breaking down costs in the sample plans. Uh, but this section should provide a summary for, any, any, uh, for easy reading for the person who's producing, uh, sorry, reading the plan. Um, now, on the plan, I surprised, I've broken it down into the initial startup costs, uh, then the first six months running, and then the second six months running costs. You should also summarise any expenses that you're going to need to live um, and whether these need to be drawn from the business revenue or not. Because obviously, if you have other sources of income and you don't need to draw down from the business revenue, that's going to mean that you're potentially going to uh, become sort of cash flow positive sooner rather than later. And lastly, in the business plan, you should give uh, your cash flow projections and describe the assumptions that you've made in preparing them. Obviously, whenever you're uh, producing something like a business plan, like we said at the start, you're going to contain, it's going to contain projections, which are really a best guess estimate. So you need to explain uh, why or what assumptions you've actually made in preparing these. So if you're... Uh, you know, having a look at the sample, you'll see that I've given a full sort of detailed breakdown of the particular expenditures and so forth uh, that I've put in. And that references the spreadsheet, which we're going to switch across to now. So if you are looking at the spreadsheet, sorry, if you are doing this with the sample plan in front of you, have a look at the spreadsheet now. Um, if you're not doing it without the plan, what I'm doing here is I'm describing an Excel spreadsheet and we're going to talk about what's in individual columns and rows and so forth. So you'd probably be able to get a bit of an idea if you're visualising it as you're driving along or whatever. Um, but as I say, it would be best if you could be looking at the, the sample one. So my uh, spreadsheet has two tabs. The first tab gives a 24-month projected cash flow. The first row obviously lists the months. Uh, and in the first month's I have actually, uh, in this plan, allocated to setting up and sort of re refurbishing the practice. So if you have any startup uh, process that you've got to go through before you can actually start to see patients, you really need to include that within your projected cash flows because that's going to eat into your, your startup capital and so forth. So that needs to be covered. Um, the second sort of and to sixth rows are the income figures. In this business plan that I was doing, I was actually running another practice at the time. So I've actually included that practice's revenue as an income source. I've called it sample clinic in the, the particular thing. Um, so you could also do the same if you have another practice or if you have a job in another practice, you may want to include it as well because it's going to give the um, lender some information as to what your overall financial position is. is is as you're doing this. Um, and then the fourth row in this gives some projected income from the new practice, uh, which will be explained in the second tab on the spreadsheet in more detail. Now, underneath that, you should uh, itemise different uh, expenditures, such as personal drawings, phone costs, rent, interest payments, etc., giving a total at the bottom. And then finally, in each column, you need to subtract the expenses from the income to give either a profit or a loss for that particular month. Then below that uh, particular row, you would want to put a cumulative profit or loss to that date. So obviously, if we're at month six, then the cumulative profit or loss at month six is going to be dependent on the previous five months, the addition of those, in addition to the income from month six, if you, hopefully you can... Uh, get what I mean by that. Um, and this will obviously tell you when you're likely to break even. Now, 
this start to, uh, ties up with what we discussed in episode five of Practice DNA in, with regard to working out how much you're likely to need in the way of startup capital to cover your startup costs. Um, and like we said, each column in this spreadsheet is a separate month. Now, the second tab of the spreadsheet leads us to an important part of the business plan. Um, And this is a document I would recommend that you produce even if you don't uh, actually produce a formal business plan. Um, And it's what I refer to as the patient number scheme. And it's the projected number of new patients that you think you are likely to see. Now, to generate it, you're going to need two particular things. The number of patients, the first thing you're going to need is the number of new patients that you think is likely to come into your practice each week. And the second thing is your typical visit schedule. Now, the number of new patients that you're likely to see is obviously going to be a guess. And I really would recommend that you be conservative in these estimates. Um, and it's going to obviously be infect, uh, sorry, affected by a number of factors, including the amount of advertising that you do, awareness of your clinic, local demand, local competition, etc. Um, Now, you may have a bit of experience of some of this stuff if you're working in another practice and so on, uh, but really it's always going to be a guess. But like I said, try and be as accurate as you possibly can. And your typical visit schedule is obviously also an average as well. Now, we all understand as practitioners that patient requirements vary, uh, but if you've been in practice for a while, you're going to know that generally you have a schedule that works well for most patients that you see. Um, And if you haven't been in practice all that long, either make a best guess or seek advice from somebody who has. Uh, For example, uh, for an average back pain patient that I would see, I would generally see them two visits per week for two weeks, and then you drop it back to once a visit, uh, sorry, one visit per week for two weeks, then drop it back to fortnightly, twice, and then you check them in a month. And that would obviously give you a total of nine visits. Now, for the purposes of this table that we're going to produce, you're going to ignore any visits beyond this time. So obviously some patients continue on and have you know, extended care beyond that. Some people will drop out. We're going to ignore the people that continue beyond, and we're also going to assume that all people continue their course of care, which we know isn't the case. Um, but you know, this, as we said, is an estimate. So in the example that I've provided, I'm expecting to see four patients a week, four new patients a week. Okay, this means eight visits in the first week. Okay, so that means, so for example, so four lots of two visits a week gives you a total of eight visits in the first week. Okay, in the second week, I see the patients from the first week, which gives me another eight visits because they're still coming in twice a week and there's four of them, so that gives eight visits. And then you have another four new patients that are coming in that week, giving you eight visits producing 16 visits in total in the second week. So we've had eight visits in our first week, 16 visits in our second week. In the third week, the first week's new patients are now down to one visit per week, giving four visits that week. Second week's uh, patients are still coming in twice a week, so that gives you eight visits. And there's another lot of new patients coming in giving you eight visits, so you have a total of 20 visits in week three. In the fourth week, the first and second week's patients are now down to one visits per week, giving each uh, four visits. So that gives you eight visits in total for the first and second week's patients. The third week's patients are still coming in twice a week, giving eight visits. And another lot of new patients coming in, giving eight visits as well, which gives you a total of 24 visits. 
So if you look at my example, you can see that we repeat this process to make projections as to how many visits you will have in a given week. And then we, in a four-week month, you can add up the total number of patients that you will see per month. Using these numbers, you can take your charges and calculate your revenue. Now, the easiest way to work out your average free fee is to take your revenue per patient, which in the case, in this case, a new patient visit is $80, for example, and then further eight further visits at $50 a visit. So this gives a total of $480 per, uh, per patient, okay, which you divide by nine, which is the number of visits that they come in, which gives you an average visit charge of $53. Hopefully I'm not boring you to tears or confusing you too much, uh, but what we have is we have $53 on average per visit per patient. So thus, in my first month, I'm going to have 68 patient visits according to the projections. And at $53, that's going to mean that I'm going to earn $3,604 in revenue in the first month. Okay, And then what you can do is you can calculate your total number of visits in the second month. And then you multiply that number by 53, which is your average visit value and you can work out what your income is likely to be in the second month and so on and you can repeat that process as you go along. So that's how you make revenue projections at least in a chiropractic clinic. Now other professions you may need to factor in profit margins for supplement sales etc uh, but hopefully you can get average visit uh, average values for these either from your figures or from somebody else and you then you need to transfer these to your cash flow forecast. Now Obviously, all what we've talked about today is quite heavy going, um, especially when you're listening to it rather than looking at the examples at the same time. However, once you've done that, I'm sure that you'll find uh, that it's a good idea just to even do a rough one of these, just to get your practice going. Um, even if you don't do that, you at least want to be able to um, have a bit of a rough idea overall where you're coming from. But if you are going to produce one of these for a lender, you're definitely going to need to go through this in great detail. So pop along if you haven't already and subscribe to our newsletter so that we can uh, get you get this uh, information to you. However, otherwise, that's all we've got this week. Uh, I'd be really grateful if you could uh, if you're listening to this via iTunes, um, pop into iTunes, leave us a review. If you reckon you can leave me a four or five star review, that'd be great. Um, if you don't reckon you can leave me a four or five star review then you know send me an email and tell me what you think we could do better um but please don't leave a low review on itunes that'd be great uh, otherwise pop along to our facebook page or to the blog leave a comment ask any questions you've got i'd really love to hear from you it's your feedback that helps make these episodes what they are so thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time Thanks for listening. Be sure to visit practicedna.com and sign up to receive full transcripts of the episodes as well as other special subscriber-only resources.